Blog Talk Radio. This is Pat Solver with Blog Talk Radio, and I have with me today a father and a son, and they're both old friends of mine, uh, Adam Kaufman and Neil Kaufman. And they are, uh, respectively, um, the president and CEO of a company called Canary Health. And Neil, the father, is the chief medical officer of the company. So, um, Adam, let me start with you. You guys recently made a pivot and you changed your name from DPS Health to Canary Health. And I have to tell you that I like Canary Health much better. Um, what's that all about? What What is Canary Health up to? Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Pat. And first, thanks for, for having us on and, and giving us the opportunity to uh, to share what we're doing at Canary Health. Um, Canary Health is really focused on helping folks in early stages of chronic conditions, uh, you know, everything from sort of the, the early phases of, of hypertension and prediabetes uh, into those folks who, who may have already been diagnosed with one or multiple chronic conditions like diabetes or arthritis or heart disease or depression, uh, but helping them uh, understand what's what's impacting their quality of life, how their disease fits into to, to the to the sort of the life they want to live, uh, and then enabling them and empowering them uh, to to make the kind of behavior change that lets them be healthy. Uh, so for us, uh, you know, extending into a much broader set of behaviors, uh, really helping someone with all of the issues they have about living healthy, uh, was the the genesis for the new Canary Health. And do you, as a company, work mainly with the patients themselves, or do you work with health plans, or do you work with to- doctors? Who, what, what are your your ways of uh, interacting with the different players that impact, uh, you know, somebody's uh, health when they first make that transition from I was completely healthy to now not so much. Yeah. So our primary uh, work is is directly with the individual. Uh, whether you call them a consumer, a patient, uh, a member, uh, an employee, uh, but with the individual who has one or more chronic conditions uh, to help them uh, understand those conditions, uh, set the goals, build action plans, track their behavior, uh, and then receive uh, coaching support as well as a broader sort of peer support. Uh, but but we always do that in the context of a broader relationship that they have uh, either with a health plan or with a health care provider. So while the, the main users of our solutions are the, the, the consumers themselves, they're rolling out in the context of their health plan or provider and sort of a B to B to C. Uh, we also do some work with individuals' caregivers, so the folks that are caring for loved ones, uh, whether those are friends or family, uh, but it's really targeting the individual who who, who is uh, learning to live and fit uh, one or more chronic conditions into their lives. And so it, that raises a question in my mind of how how you find these people. Do they find you or does the doctor or the health plan or the medical group or whatever in some way identify them and then reach and then reach out to Canary Health? 
So what we find is that uh, large health plans, large health systems uh, have, have invested a lot of energy uh, over the last years to, to actually sort of be able to stratify their populations uh, and identify folks uh, at various stages uh, in, in their disease journeys. Uh, and so uh, crudely, we, we sort of think of uh, them kind of putting people into, into three levels uh, of illness burden. So there's the healthy uh, there's the group in the middle, these, these folks with early stage chronic conditions, a group we call the emergent risk, uh, and then there's the very sick. Uh, and so increasingly most of our uh, clients and partners are identifying these groups from some kind of analytical process, uh, whether that's on claims data or uh, health uh, records, uh, and then they're actually giving us the names and the information and uh, some of the, the demographic and health information so that we can actually begin an outreach campaign and establish a relationship uh, on their behalf, so on the provider or the health plan's behalf, but to that population of folks in the emergent risk. And so, and so, what do you what do you do for these people? Let's say it's me, and I just got a brand new diagnosis of high blood pressure, and I get identified by my provider as somebody that you could help. How do you work with me? What What do you do? Yes, maybe maybe I can turn to, to Neil. As, as you said, I have the good fortune to work with my father every day. But uh, you know, you, you, Pat, and Neil are the clinicians and can sort of describe uh, how you know when you think about someone with a with a chronic condition. Uh, there's really sort of three buckets of behaviors uh, that they're. Um, that are impacting that disease journey. And so the short answer I'd give is we work with somebody uh, along each of those areas, really with that consumer back at the center of their experience so that he or she can figure out what's impacting their lives and where they want to start. But, Neil, maybe you want to kind of comment from a clinical standpoint on, on those areas that are really driving, uh, you know, our newly diagnosed PAT uh, to, to get sicker and, and how we can help. Yeah, so if you look at, at, the, at the target population, they're usually people over 40. They often have a range of risk factors and behaviors that have gotten them to this emergent risk uh, category. They may be overweight. They often are uh, poor fit, poor fitness. They may be smoking. They're having poor diets. But they're also not managing their life uh, well. They're not managing their chronic condition, and they're not managing their stress. And so when you think about the, the underlying behaviors that these people uh, can benefit and need help with, it's really three different elements. One is living with their chronic condition, understanding what that role is, understanding how to work with family and friends, how to identify uh, doable and, and attainable action uh, steps that they will uh, implement and, and change their, their life with their chronic illness. The second is how to uh, eat better, be more active, and lose weight because often, not for everyone, but for the vast majority, uh, being significantly overweight is driving much of this cardiometabolic risk and, and other risk factors and other conditions. And then finally, uh, stress management. Uh, and so being able to help somebody uh, understand how to lower their stress, how to uh, relax, how to use uh, positive psychology, breathing techniques, and the like. When you put those all together, individuals choose which of those they most want to work on at that moment. And we know that any one of those can help them to to improve their trajectory, both their clinical trajectory as well as their economic trajectory. So those changes are all really hard to make, right? You know, uh, I've been trying to lose weight forever. You know, I, I, uh, I'm stressed out because I have a big job, and now you're telling me I have to, <laughs> I have to lose weight, so I'm even more stressed out. Um, how, how is it that you – how do you work with people to get them to make those really tough 
um, behavior changes? Because we've been trying to do that in healthcare forever. How is what you do different and 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 perhaps more successful than the kind of approaches that you know uh, in the past the disease management companies used to apply? Uh, so we start out with the assumption that uh, there's been a lot of wisdom that's accumulated over the last three or four decades that help individuals um, be supported in that journey towards better health. And so it starts out with understanding the target population. How you would work with a 15-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 50-year-old are very, very different. So understanding the target population, what are their concerns, what are their unique uh, challenges across that population, and then using evidence-based programs that almost always started out in person, where, for example, the diabetes prevention program or the Stanford self-management support programs were proven and refined and honed over years and years with thousands or tens of thousands of, of individuals of the same target population. We then would take those programs that have been proven to be effective and are like the gold standard, uh, the landmark studies uh, for behavior change for this population, and then help... With the university faculty and the creators of the programs to transform them into a digital delivery technique. So we're taking the same program, the same evidence, the same approach, but now using a different delivery channel called the internet and internet and cell phone that brings the same experiences to those individuals uh, and gets results that are very, very similar, if not the same and sometimes even better than the original programs. And Pat, so if give me I an might. example. If I, if I, hang on a second, Adam, because yeah. I, I, I want to hear from Neil an example. So I'm a newly diagnosed hypertensive. Um, what am I going to see and feel from your program? Am I going to get phone calls? Are you going to send me online? Am I going to get text messages? How, how how does it? What is the actual structure of that program to help me uh, manage high blood pressure? Adam, were you going to take that? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, so, so Pat, if I might, and then I think Neil can respond to sort of maybe more clinically. Uh, it was interesting to hear you, you say sort of, so I'm stressed, uh, and then I need to lose weight, and I need to lose weight, and I'm stressed. And I think that framing itself is something that, that we're trying to, to move away from. And, and while those are the things we want to change, what, what we found, uh, and this may be true universally, but you know, as Neil mentioned, we're, we're very focused on, on the particular population we work with, is that there's something about these underlying conditions or behaviors that is impacting someone's quality of life. So, so simple stories about how you know a couple could no longer walk together uh, because of the you know sort of um, o- obesity causing uh, you know sort of uh, problems breathing and heart disease, and how that was really the life style or quality of life issue that was driving it. So, you know, think of someone with newly, dosed, uh, newly diagnosed hypertension or perhaps even already with arthritis or with uh, diabetes or sleep apnea. Uh, the place we start is what about living with that condition is impacting them? Uh, and when you frame the journey in that way and the conversation that way, there's almost always something. And it could be as simple as, you know, they can't walk the way with, with their spouse the way they want or they're living with fear or they're they're confused. Uh, and we help them explore that and then ultimately ask them to to make a commitment to working on one of the sets of behaviors, whether it's lifestyle or the, the ability to manage that condition or to deal with their stress. So, so it's about putting that person back at the center of that process and asking them what's important. Now, the way we do that is through a combination of primarily digital outreach, so education, uh, entertainment, uh, things as simple as recipes or, or as complicated as hearing other user stories, interaction uh, in, a, in a sort of very immediate way with coaches or other things, uh, 
in sort of a consumer media style approach, and then ultimately bringing them into uh, one of three different evidence-based programs that are that are taking from the research, as Neil was saying, uh, whether that's the diabetes prevention program or the clinical studies that were done at Stanford around self-management, to walk them through a program that helps them set their own goals, understand the behaviors, track what they're doing, uh, and then receive support from a coach and a, and a social network uh, to actually make sustained changes, but in a way that, that's fitting into the, to what's important to them. And well, and that sounds good because I think a lot of times that piece is is missing. It's I want you to do this because I want you to do it, right? I'm <laughs> the doctor, and I want you to do it. Right. Um, and and I and I may not really understand what are the things that you know that motivate you, or 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 how shocked you may be that you made this transition from what you thought was completely healthy to now having oh my god a condition, right? Um, but what if I have more than one condition. Let's say I have metabolic syndrome and I have multiple conditions. Um, How are you going to get me to work on all those different things that I have to work on? Because now I have prediabetes, I have hypertension, you know, I'm I'm obese, maybe I have gout, you know, I I got got that that whole uh, spectrum of um, illnesses that come wrapped up together and we call uh, metabolic syndrome. What, what's your approach for somebody who's now more complicated than just a simple simple hypertension? Yes. Yeah, so, so again, you know, for us, the focus are folks who, who have one or often, as, you, as you're describing, multiple conditions, but really before they've become so sick that the primary uh, you know, sort of intervention they need is is medical intervention. So, you know, clearly folks before they're on dialysis, before they're in end stages uh, of most conditions, and, and often, you know, as you're describing, people have more than one chronic condition. The underlying way that those conditions are impacting their life, though, uh, may manifest in, in one primary issue or multiple issues, um, but it's still about what matters to them. And so if we can put them back at the center, uh, we know that we can help them with one or multiple things, and as they begin to have success, they'll see others. But, you know, maybe you want to respond clinically, you know, what are the, the processes by which, uh, you know, kind of working at one area might impact others or, 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 you know, how we can work across conditions at the same time. Yeah, so people who have multiple chronic conditions actually have more in common with other people with with chronic conditions, even if they have different conditions. So imagine that you have out of the top ten numbers one, three, and seven, and I've got two, four, and nine. Uh, I have more in common with you than I do with someone who has my primary disease called diabetes with multiple complications because what's going on in my life is really not based on the diagnosis the doctor gives me but what impact it has on my daily function, and and it's very, very similar. So when you say, if you take that framing and you say, how can we help people who have more in common, you look at the social support that people can give each other around the areas of understanding their role with a chronic illness, understanding how to take the medicines, whatever they might be that they're being asked to take, how they can interact with their doctor, how they can set a, uh, an attainable goal, uh, work towards it, get get reinforcement when that happens, how they can uh, think about uh, managing their stress so that they lower their depression rate, how they can help with eating, uh, there's uh, help, help with being more active. All of those things are at the common behaviors that turn out to be critically important to changing that person's trajectory, to keep them from getting that next chronic condition that lowers their quality of life. And they're motivated to do that. They don't want to um, 
they want to be able to pick up their grandchild, and if they get arthritis, they can't, or to take a walk. That's where they're thinking. They're not thinking about, I have diabetes with complications and my kidneys are going to fail. They're thinking about what happens with them every day. And so those everyday behaviors and everyday priorities are the same, and by helping them focus on those areas, they're much more likely to be able to accomplish them. So um, what if I'm Patrick instead of Patricia, and I just don't want to deal with this? We know that that's an issue uh, for a subset, and I purposely made it a guy because it tends to be the guys that don't want to deal with the issue, don't want to go to the doctor. Do you have any special approaches to help get them engaged, or is it essentially the same? Well, I think the issue is um, if you look at uh, average men versus women, and obviously there's significant exceptions, women do enjoy being part of groups, whether those are in person or online. They do enjoy talking and expressing their feelings. Some men do also, but on average, men, for example, don't join groups the way that women do. So what we are able to do is to bring to that individual their choice and their way of approaching something. So they can do it on their own with a coach that gives them support. They can do it as part of a group. They can pull as much from that group as they want to uh, or not. And often, if they get enough guys in a group, you're able to get guys talking to guys. And so I don't think it's that guys are always going to be ignoring it and not wanting to address it. Uh, men just do things slightly different than women in many ways, and being giving them flexibility where they can choose, again, keeping the consumer in the center, where they can choose whether it's a 40-year-old, 6-year-old, 80-year-old, they're different, whether it's a man or a woman, whether it's somebody who has one diagnosis or another. Give them the choice of the kinds of support that they want to get, and you're much more likely uh, to get a larger proportion of the population to take up, to take up the approach and to and to get better results. So it sounds like you're um, uh, both high touch and 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 very personalized uh, in in your approach, and that's great. We have we have come to realize that we have to customize what we do for patients and not treat them as a as, as a as a homogenous uh, group. So. With all that being said and all this fantastic stuff that you described, um, do you have any results that you can share? So we, we've had uh, years of results across a, a number of the programs. So, um, you know, our, our lifestyle program uh, has been used by, you know, tens of thousands of people, uh, you know, has demonstrated uh, sustained weight loss, has demonstrated prevention of diabetes, uh, but also prevention of sleep apnea, of um, musculoskeletal issues, of heart disease. Uh, we were fortunate to, to collaborate with one of our health plan partners, uh, Government Employees Health Association, to actually do a review of claims uh, and show that uh, while we were, as we were getting people healthier, we were actually reducing their utilization. Our self-management programs uh, have several decades of, of research behind them from, from our colleagues at Stanford, uh, and in particular the, the lead researcher, Kate Lorig, uh, out of the Patient Education Research Center there, uh, both in person, uh, a number of randomized controlled trials, as well as of the online versions uh, showing improved uh, self-efficacy, understanding, uh, and then importantly improved health outcomes across diabetes, depression, uh, as well as review of, of reduced utilization. Uh, so, so you know, as Neil said, we start with evidence-based programs, and then we take very seriously that we continue to prove uh, that they're efficacious uh, as well as delighting users. Well, yeah, that sounds great. And so um, are you contributing to the evidence with all those results? Have you published any studies in peer-reviewed journals that uh, show your outcomes? 
Yeah, so uh, typically we work with collaborators at uh, research universities. So uh, we've worked with researchers from Pittsburgh, uh, from uh, University of Pittsburgh, from McMaster's University uh, in in Canada, a lot with the Stanford team, uh, and often they're publishing in the in the peer-reviewed literature, uh, or collectively we're presenting it academic. Uh, research meetings as well. So uh, on our website, I believe, if not, we'll make sure it's there as a, as a bibliography uh, of all of uh, the research that we or our, our partners have done. Oh, that's great. You read my mind. I was going to ask you if we could find the, the research on online. And uh, so um, another question that I have, which is around results, is are you saving money? So you did mention it looked like there was decreased utilization. Have you done any studies with your collaborators that have been able to quantify um, net savings that's over and above the cost of your of your program? Yeah, and so actually, Pat, if I, if I can step back a second, one of the things that um, is really interesting about the emergent risk population, I think perhaps why it hasn't been attended to with the same vigor as the very sick is, uh, we're trying to get to people before they're at very high risk for hospitalization. And so the the business model, uh, at least from a, from a saving standpoint, is not about preventing hospitalization primarily. It's really about preventing people from getting to the stage where they're at high risk for hospitalization. Uh, and so our research and other research shows that for folks in this uh, stage, uh, you, you can probably prevent around $2,000 uh, a year on average of health claims. So, so significant... Uh, costs associated with getting sicker, but not the kind of costs you see in the very sicker on hospitalization or, or, or major procedures. Uh, and so, um, you know, if you think about actually building a sustainable uh, model, we obviously have to come in in costs in terms of our solutions at a very small fraction of that. So, so we typically target, uh, you know, returning three to four to five times costs. And we've been able to demonstrate that in a number of studies uh, within 12 months or 24 months uh, of our program rollout uh, to populations. Oh, okay. So that's great. So you do have you have documented a return on investment in a short enough time frame that, for example, health plan doesn't have to worry if if this year it's I'm in Anthem, but next year I'm in United Healthcare, and I don't care if United Healthcare if I'm Anthem, I don't care if United Healthcare saves any money. So um, so that's correct. Yeah, that's the big so the big challenge, of course. <laughs> It is a big challenge, and I think it's actually, as you both know, was one of the problems that we saw in the initial um, kind of iteration of, uh, of disease management, right? They went out and sold all those programs based on, you know, big returns on investment, and then as the science got better and people looked more closely at it, all those ROIs just evaporated, and, um, you know, and the, and the industry really had to re think itself in, in, in including renaming itself from disease management to you know population health yeah. um, so it's been a pretty interesting uh, journey over the last what 10 or 20 years um, in this space I wanted to close by um, just asking you so who are your customers then um, your, your your target is the individual and you you put a lot of effort into the individual but how does canary health get paid and who pays you yeah our, our primary customers are are the health plans uh, we, we do wrap around our consumer solutions uh, an enterprise uh, tool around reporting and outreach and engagement so so it really is while, as you said, the, the target is that individual member or patient, uh, it is an enterprise uh, solution. And so our primary clients are the health plans, uh, 
often they're fully insured or they work in a, in the government sector uh or they are in a sense you know reselling it if you will to their uh employer customers oh okay so um well, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, Adam, Neil, uh, are there any um, final words that you uh, want to throw in? Anything else we should know about Canary Health before our time together is up? So, so Pat, I just, again want to thank you for for the opportunity. Uh, I think for us uh, at Canary Health, uh, you know, if I could just kind of close with, with where we started, um, you know, we're really passionate about uh, engaging people um, and really helping them prevent them from getting sicker. We know that uh, all too often, unfortunately, the sort of the natural course of life is to get sicker and sicker, uh, and that's going to you know, materially impact each of our lives. Uh, it, it has a tremendous uh, impact on, on what we're able to do as individuals uh, and then also on uh, on our utilization of health care and our costs. And so, you know, the, 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 the trick of that is, is, as Neil was saying, you know, this is a distinct population. Folks who are in early stages, you know, they're not living as a diabetic but a person with diabetes. I mean, it's a part of their life, but it's not even the, the biggest part. And so to put them back at the center of that story, help them understand what it is, to get them to, to engage, and then to provide the tools so that they can be empowered and kind of own that journey is really what we're about. Uh, and I think as you see this transformation, sort of this dual transformation in healthcare of the move from volume to value and the move towards greater consumerism, we're going to see uh, even more focus on this population because they're really that sort of silent middle, if you will, to date, uh, that isn't the one signing up for the, the office challenge or isn't the one so sick the nurse uh, needs to call them and, and make sure they, they, you know, they, they prevent a readmission. But it's that group in the middle that at least for me, and again, I'm not a clinician, so maybe we'll give Neil the last word, but you know, if we're going to do something in, in healthcare, it's probably about taking those folks who are in those early stages uh, and showing that, that we can prevent them from getting sicker uh, and actually you know, preventing that, that disease burden that we know is going to impact them and their loved ones so, so much. Yeah, so to elaborate on that, uh, personally, I want to stay healthy until the day I die, and then I want to die. I don't want to keep well, adding that's what we all additional. Want, right? <laughs> well, that's what we all want, and, and it's really true. That yeah, is nobody, what we all nobody. Want. Want, oh, I want to get, I want to get chronically ill and be really sick. No. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody. But, but wants I would that. trade, but I would even trade off years to have a better quality of life. That's a little more radical. My point is that as people are getting older, uh, getting more and more of us that are baby boomers, it's becoming increasingly clear that the population in the country is becoming sicker and that we're having more and more people live longer and longer. That's medicine thinks about perform lifespan. We need to think about performance span. We need to think about health as a resource for living so that you can have the, the life you want. With, and then get, you can get the health you need for the life you want. And when that happens, you're much more likely uh, to be healthy, to be with your grandkids. That's what drives me every day. It's what drives our company every day. And identifying organizations that have that as part of their mission and recognize that this increasing number of people are being burdened by it and that you can even make money, save money in a short enough time to have a good business side to get multiple bottom lines is really what, what we're all about and what we're, and what we're dedicated to, to do so that hundreds of thousands or millions of people will be able to benefit from, from these kinds of approaches. Well, that's great. I, I love your vision, and I, I love the idea of health as a resource for living instead of the way we've thought about it and 
in healthcare and in medicine for so long. Um, so it's really refreshing to hear, and it's wonderful to catch up with both of you, Adam and Neil, and to uh, hear about uh, Canary Health and, and uh, this new approach that you're taking. So thank you very much for joining thank us, you. and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank Pat. you so much.